Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. For free resources and free messages, visit our website, friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or call us for more information at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. I will be passed from death to life by promise. I believe into the Lord Jesus Christ. And based on John 14, 1 through 3, I have a place in heaven. That place has been prepared for me. That place I am going there when I died. I have my place in heaven by promise. I have my passage to that place in heaven by promise. See, that's why those two words in Galatians 3.18 are so important for us to see in the context of Genesis 17. God gave it to Abraham by promise, Galatians 3.18. That's why that first statement in verse 1 of our chapter, Genesis 17, is so important. As it says, and when Abram was 90 years old and nine, That statement emphasizes how these promises of a son and of an inheritance could not be secured by Abraham by nature. They were out of Abraham's reach, his natural reach. There was no way that Abraham could think of reaching, naturally speaking, of reaching to have a son or reaching to have an inheritance by natural means. In fact, there's one word in one verse in this chapter that emphasizes how far from Abraham's natural reach the getting of a son really was. And it's in verse 17 where we read, Then Abraham fell upon his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a man be born unto him that is 90 years old? Shall Sarah that is 90 years old bear? The word laughed. It expresses When Abraham thinks of how far God's promise of Abraham to get a son is from Abraham's natural reach, he has one response. He laughs. He laughs. Then Abraham fell upon his face and laughed and said in his heart, what is Abraham doing here when it says that in response to God's promise of a son, he laughs? It's just shocking for us. We see Abraham laughing at God. This was shameful on Abraham. If you don't think this is shameful, just wait, because we're going to come to where Sarah's going to do exactly the same thing. And this is not a laughter of joy. This is a laughter of, you got to be kidding. And if you don't think so, just wait, because we're going to come to the exact similar situation that's going to happen, and Sarah's going to laugh in her heart also, and God's going to turn to Sarah and say, you laughed, and Sarah's going, no, no, I didn't laugh, I didn't laugh, not me, I didn't laugh. No, you don't do that if it's a laughter of joy. You do that because you don't think so. And what is Abraham doing here when it says that in response to God's promise of his son, he says in his heart, shall a man be born unto him that is 100 years old and shall Sarah that is 90 years old bear? It's shocking for us. When we look and we see Abraham is mocking God, Abraham's laughter shows us that Abraham's son could only be secured by promise. And that's why Paul said in Galatians 3.18, God gave it to Abraham by promise. And that was a picture of the promise of the son of God given to the world out of natural reach. Say, not in thine heart, I'm going to bring God down from heaven or bring him up. 
You can't do that. That historically, we stand today on the spectrum, on the line of history, the history line. We are at a point on the history line. And we stand on the line of history on this side of the defining moment in history 2,000 years ago. We stand on this side of the two, we stand on this side of the 2,000 year side of the manger in Bethlehem, the defining moment in history. But think about the historical line on the other side, the 4,000 year line of history on the other side of the defining moment in history, the manger in Bethlehem. Think about the other historical 4,000 year side of the manger in Bethlehem. And for all those believers on the 4,000 year side of the manger in Bethlehem, when they looked at a verse like Isaiah 9, 6, that we love to sing with Handel's Messiah, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. We love to sing that. But think about that when they, they didn't sing that, Handel wasn't there. But anyway, when they saw this verse, Isaiah 9, 6, how did they have the child that was born, the son that was given, the Messiah? They had him like Abraham. They had the Messiah by promise. Like Abraham, God gave the Messiah to them by promise. And as with Abraham having a son, Isaac, the coming of the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, in human flesh, was so far out of natural reach, as with Abraham having a son, the coming of the Son of God in human flesh was as natural as Isaiah 7, 14. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. How unnatural is that? A virgin conceive? How unnatural. That's why Mary said, how can these things be? I know not a man. Unnatural and as far out of reach as the promise of, to Abraham of having a son. By promise. And the Jewish rabbis make such a big deal about that coming of Emmanuel that they say the word Alma used there, it could not refer to a virgin. A virgin conceiving is as unnatural as a 99-year-old husband and a 90-year-old wife having a son. But in Genesis 17, Abraham and Sarah had their son by promise. And the Old Testament saints had their Messiah by promise. And you and I have our redemption by promise. And you and I have our home in heaven by promise. And you and I have our reigning with Christ by promise. All by promise. All by promise. It's, it was theirs by promise. It's ours by promise. They had them by promise. We have them all by promise. And just like Abraham's son was his by promise, what Abraham did was to surrender himself to the promises of God. And Abraham surrendered his reasoning, his natural reasoning based on nature to these promises of God. And Abraham surrendered his understanding based on nature to the promises of God. And there's a verse in Hebrews that shows us just how much Abraham surrendered himself to these promises of God. And it's found in Hebrews eleven seventeen. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, 
And he that received the promises offered up his only begotten son. Even after Abraham had received the promises for Isaac and the inheritance in Genesis 17 that we've been studying before Isaac was even born. Abraham had Isaac before he was born by promise. And 99-year-old Abraham had Isaac by promise before Isaac was born. And after Abraham had Isaac, after he was born, when God called Abraham to kill Isaac, to burn him up as a sacrifice in Genesis 22, Abraham set out his day fully purposed and determined to obey God, to kill Isaac, to burn him up as a sacrifice. And the question is, how in the world could Abraham be able to sacrifice the son that he had waited for for so long? How could Abraham do what it says in Hebrews eleven seventeen? He that had the promises offered up his only begotten son because God gave Isaac to Abraham by promise before Isaac was born and Isaac and Abraham had Isaac by promise before he was born and Abraham had Isaac after he was born by promise. He had Isaac multiplying into a great nation. He had him before, by, after he was born by promise even before he, he, he had a wife, Isaac, because Abraham knew that a dead son before he was married cannot become a multitude. So if Abraham was to kill Isaac, was to burn up Isaac, Abraham had Isaac alive again by promise. And that explains why Abraham, when he set out alone, as he did with Isaac, and they both walked up Mount Moriah where he was gonna kill and burn, burn up, uh, sacrifice Isaac, that Abraham, as he left with Isaac, turned to his servants behind him in Genesis 22.5, and Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. See what he's saying? Abide here with the ass. I and the lad, we will go yonder. We will worship. We will come again to you. So Abraham said that he and Isaac were gonna return to them again. And the rest of the passage in Hebrews 11 makes it clear where it goes on to say, by faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that had the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it is said that an Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. Abraham was used to this. He's used to looking at, at, at things that are dead and then knowing that God will bring life out of the dead. Abraham looked at his body and the body of Sarah and he said, I see death in my body. I see death in Sarah's womb. All I see is death, death, death. And that's brought out to us in Romans 4.19 where it says, and being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about 100 years old, neither the deadness of Sarah's womb. His own body, now dead, neither the deadness of Sarah's womb. He looks at himself, he looks at Sarah. He says, I see death, 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 death. And when Abraham saw life, the life of Isaac, come out of the death of his body, come out of the deadness of, of Sarah's womb, Abraham said, I have just received life from the dead, 
And as Abraham is being asked to sacrifice Isaac, to kill him, to burn him up, Abraham is thinking to himself, because of God, I saw Isaac alive coming out of the dead, my dead body in the deadness of Sarah's womb. And if God is calling me now to kill Isaac, to burn him up, all I can say is, because of God, I will see Isaac again, alive, coming out of, this time, the deadness of ashes. And that's how Abraham was able to go forward. Now, in verse 17, we read that Abraham laughed, and there are two sides of Abraham and of Abraham's response. On the one hand, we see Abraham was strong in faith. We've seen that. A man that we've seen him described in Romans 4.20, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. But like us, Abraham had another side. Abraham had a side. We have the side that's described by Paul in Romans 7.18. For I know, Paul says, Abraham could say, we say, for I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. That was the natural man, of, uh, natural man of, of Abraham. That was the natural man side of Abraham, which we all have. And that was the man, that was the natural man side of Abraham that responded to God's promise in John, Genesis uh, 7, 17, 17, where it says, then Abraham fell upon his face and laughed, Hebrew, Yitzhak. He laughed, he Yitzhaked, or as we say it, Isaac. Abraham fell upon his face and he laughed, Yitzhak, or Isaac. And that's what uh, laughed means, Yitzhak and Isaac. And said in his heart, shall a child be born unto him that is 100 years old and shall a Sarah that is 90 years old bear? That picture of Abraham laughing at the promises of God is a picture of the response of the world to God. There's one word that the world uses to describe the wisdom of God, and it's found in 1 Corinthians 1.18, where it says, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. Silly, ridiculous, foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Those who are perishing, who are on their way to hell, walking right down the middle of the road of hell, they look at the cross, they say, the cross, oh, you've got to be kidding. Someone should die for my sins. Christ should die for my sins. That's foolishness, that's silly, that's a joke. That's yitzhak, that's laughter. That's not LOL, like laugh out loud. That's YOL, yitzhak out loud. And so now you can write in your emails and text mails. Y-O-L. So, now we see it go on in 1 Corinthians one twenty one, and it says this, for after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Now see what it says. It pleased God that by the, that by the silliness of preaching, to save them that believe. It pleased God that by the joke of preaching to save them that believe. It pleased God that by the yitzhak of preaching, the laughter of it all, of preaching to save them that believe. See, God says, you say to the cross foolishness, you say yitzhak, I'll make that yitzhak cross to be the only way you can be saved and go to heaven. And just as God said to Abraham, you say 
about the promised son, Yitzhak? I'll make that Yitzhak son of yours to be the only way for the promises, especially the promise of the coming Messiah to come to true. And it goes on in 1 Corinthians 1.25. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. So God has made the, God has made the, the foolishness of God, the Yitzhak of God, wiser than men. God has made the Yitzhak of God, the laughter, the foolishness of, of God, stronger than men. Now it says in 1 Corinthians 2.14, but the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Let me put this verse in the context of Genesis 17.17. 17. The natural man receiveth not, or who rejects, the things of the Spirit of God. For they are a joke, they're laughter, they're Yitzhak unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. So what we see in Genesis 17, 17 is the natural man in Abraham responding to the promise of God to have a son. And Abraham's natural man heard God's promise of a son and Abraham's natural man heard this and his response was, foolishness, Yitzhak. I won't receive it, I'll reject it. It's a joke, it's silly, it's foolish. I Yitzhak, I laugh at it, I mock it. I say, shall a child be born unto him that is 100 years old? And so Sarah that is 90 years old bear. That response of Abraham to the wisdom of God shows us that Abraham had a natural side in him that he constantly had to fight against. And you and I have a natural man inside of us that we constantly have to fight against. The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. The natural man has no interest in the things of the Spirit of God. The natural man is bored to death with the things of the Spirit of God. The natural man rejects the things of the Spirit of God. The natural man is immediately prejudiced against the things of the Spirit of God. Prejudiced. When the Creation Museum applied for membership in the San Diego Council of Museum. Only eight museum members of the 39 museum members came to even see our Creation Museum. And all of them that came, they voted in favor of accepting us. But those who never even took the time to look at the Creation Museum voted against us. Why? One word, creation. A Creation Museum based on the Bible? Yitzhak, foolishness, that's a joke. The natural man does not receive the things of the Bible. The natural man finds the things in the Bible to be foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. And that same natural man is in us. And it was in Abraham. And that natural man caused Abraham in verse 17 not to receive the things of the Spirit of God, but to yitzhak them off, to laugh them off. And that same natural man is in us. It was in Abraham, the same natural man caused Abraham in verse 17 to Yitzhak or laugh at the things of the Spirit of God. That same natural man is in us and, and was in Abraham and that natural man caused Abraham in verse 17 to mock the things of the Spirit of God. And we along with Abraham struggle against the natural man that's in us and it, that laughs at God and mocks God. And verse 17 shows us the struggle 
that Abraham had, that along with Paul, who said all this, I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelt no good thing, for to will is present with me. But how to perform that which I find, that which, which is good, I find not. For the good that I would, I do not. And the evil which I would not, I do. And if I do that what I would not, it's no more either do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil's present with me. For I delight in the law of God, but the, after the inward man, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So with the mind, I serve the law of God, with the flesh, the law of sin. This struggle in Paul that he's describing here is what Abraham was fighting against in verse 17. Abraham could say, I Yitzhak, I laugh at the promise of God because in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. I see another law in my members, Abraham could say, warring against the law of my mind. And that other law causes me to mock the promise of God. This ding-dong back and forth, believe God, laugh at God, believe God, mock God, it's driving me crazy. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? And back comes the answer to Abraham, and back comes the answer to Paul, and back comes the answer to us, and that's in Romans 7.25. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Verse 17, it's really humbling for us. It's really humbling for Abraham to be reminded that, that he had this natural man in him that laughed at God and mocks God, and Abraham needed to be delivered from his natural man. It's so humbling for us to be reminded that we have a natural man in us that laughs at God, that mocks God, and we need to be delivered from our inward natural man. It was humbling for Paul to be reminded that he had a natural man in him that laughs at God and mocks God, and Paul needed to be delivered. Now notice verse 19. God said, Sarah, thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shall call his name Yitzhak, laughter, Isaac. That's kind of humbling. When God, who knows our hearts, saw Abraham laugh and mock God, in essence, God said in verse 19, I heard that mocking, Abraham. I heard how you mocked me. I saw that laughter in your heart, Abraham. I saw it. I saw it. I saw the Yitzhak. I saw the Isaac. And God said, we need to memorialize this, shall we? Let's just memorialize that, that, that laughter, that Yitzhak. And thou shalt call his name Yitzhak. And thou shalt call his name Laughter. And thou shalt call his name Isaac. Why? Why did God name Abraham's promised son Laughter? Because God never wanted Abraham to forget that Abraham had a natural man that laughed at God, that Abraham had a natural man that mocked God. And so for an eternal reminder, God named Isaac, Yitzhak, Isaac. So the name of Isaac would be an eternal reminder because the name Isaac means laughter. So every time Abraham would think or, or call his son, he would be reminded that he has a natural man in him that laughs at God and mocks God. And every time Abraham would hear Isaac's name, Abraham would be reminded that he needs the Lord Jesus Christ. I need the Lord Jesus Christ for the sake of his name. We need the Lord Jesus Christ along with Abraham and Paul for the sake of his name. And what is his name? Matthew 121. And thou shalt call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins. 
Every time Abraham heard the name Isaac, he would be reminded that he needed the Lord Jesus Christ to save him from his sins. And every time you and I hear the name Isaac or Yitzhak, it's a reminder to us that like Abraham, we need the Lord Jesus Christ to save us from our sins, the sins of laughing at God and mocking God. And the next time you meet someone with the name Isaac, you should say to him, do you know that your name was given by God as a reminder of how much you and I all need the Lord Jesus Christ to deliver us from our sins, the sins of mocking God, the sins of laughing at God? Let me explain. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much. We thank you so much, Lord, that you work with us, that you don't cast us off, that you love us, Lord, so greatly that even, Lord, after when Abraham did this, that nevertheless you said, now come on now, Abraham, let's repair Let's go on. Let's be stronger. Follow me. Help us to follow also, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. Or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330-330. Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800 247 3051. 800 247 3051.